Okay, good morning. This is Richard Shu, host of Shoe and Tie. Today, I'm very pleased to have with us my guest, uh, T. Hale Boggs, who's a partner at Manat. Um, Hale, welcome to the show. Thanks, Richard. Glad to be here. So, Hale, normally I interview lawyers to talk about their practice stuff, but I wanted to interview you specifically and talk to you about your dad, your late father, also Thomas Hale Boggs. I guess he's known by Tommy Boggs, who was the founder of Patton Boggs. Um, you know, I'd like to know, you know, tell me a little about the history of your dad and, you know, how he started that firm and what it was like growing up with him. Yeah, so my dad was a larger-than-life guy. Um, he grew up in a political family. My grandfather, also Hale Boggs Sr., um, was elected to the House as a very young guy, 26 years old, from New Orleans. And so my dad, growing up, kind of split his time between Louisiana and D.C., and from the very beginning was kind of, um, you know, part of that political community. Um, I remember as a young kid going to my grandfather's house with my dad and, you know, there'd be, you know, Speaker McCormick would be there or Carl Albert or, you know, these luminaries from politics. And mm-hmm. so my dad from the, you know, first days, high school, whatever, was was kind of surrounded by that. I think that really shaped who he became you know, both as a lawyer and a, and a lobbyist. Mm. What was his real passion? Was his passion the law? Was it being part of a, was it being a lobbyist? I mean, how would you describe your dad in terms of? I guess what, what I'd say, was? I think the thing that made my dad happiest was when he was able to um, advocate for his clients by providing information to decision makers about the client or about their business and why a decision that would be made by a decision maker, a member of Congress, um, would be a good thing. Mm. And when that was to the benefit of the client, they obviously appreciated it. And uh, and he loved that. I think that was his, you know, his driving force was when he was able to do that. What are some of the influences that your dad had on you as a lawyer? I mean, you obviously became a lawyer yourself, a very successful lawyer, but what are some of the influences that he had on you? Yeah, well, I think... Um, the idea that it's it's not just about doing the job, it's about relationships. I think what my dad was very good at was building and sustaining long-term relationships with his clients who also were his best friends. And, uh, you know, I knew that as, you know, a kid just being around and, you know, hanging out with them on weekends, on fishing trips and hunting trips and that kind of stuff. So for me, I do the same thing. You know, I, I, I have gotten to a place in my career where I only really want to work with people that I like mm-hmm. and I consider my clients to be my friends and I, I like to do things other than just the legal work for them. And I, you know, I think that builds much better relationships. Mm-hmm. Now, what, how old was your dad when he started that firm, Patton Boggs? Do you remember? So he, uh, he went to Georgetown Law School at night. Uh, he was working at that time um, on the Hill. Uh, I think he was a staffer for the Appropriations Committee. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think he graduated, he was pretty young. I want to say he was about 22. Hmm. And by the way, I was born right around then too. He was married at 20. Wow. So he started very young. And, um, when he came out of law school, he had opportunities to go to, you know, really any of the larger DC firms back then. Mm -hmm. But he'd met this guy, Jim Patton, uh, who had known my grandfather as well. And, um, I think they just hit it off, and Patton had this idea of starting a firm that would really be focused kind of on 
the idea of advocacy and lobbying as kind of a core piece of what they did, not just part of it, but kind of the, the heart of it. Mm. And I think he saw in my dad someone who had grown up immersed in politics who already knew a lot of people socially because of his parents and mm. his jobs, et cetera. And, you know, my dad said, yeah, let, let's give this a shot. Wow. And that was probably uh, 1964-ish, something like that. And he started that firm with just the two of them, basically. I think there were, at the time, I mean, this is predating me and what I remember, but about five people, something like that. My dad was hired, I think, right out of law school as an associate. Uh, but within a couple of years, he became a partner. Um, he had already started developing his own client base, and uh, and Jim recognized that he was, you know, somebody who was worth investing in. And how big did that firm get to before it was before it was merged with Squire Sanders? Do you know? I want to say they and they were prior three hundred ish, something mm-hmm. like that. At at the height of it, they had a pretty big office in Dallas. Mm-hmm. Uh, they had a significant office in Denver. They had Baltimore. A few other places um, got to be pretty big. And was he really active right until obviously until he died? Was he was he still pretty active lawyer? Or had he yeah, started to slow down? I mean, you know, my dad never really uh, prepared for what happened. Yeah, uh, he, you know, it was kind of a sudden thing. So he worked right up until then. Um, you know, as you know, the firm uh, was merged kind of toward the end of that, and uh, he spent a lot of time and energy, uh, kind of working that and, um, you know, getting it done. So, uh, yeah, he, he definitely was busy all, all the way through. Now, obviously, I assume, I don't know if you deliberately didn't want to go to your dad's firm. I'm sure that was an opportunity. Was he, was he disappointed you didn't go to his firm? Or was that a d- tough decision not to join his firm? Tell me a little about that. Well, as I you. said, you know, I was, uh, I remember my dad's 30th birthday very well, right? I, 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 he was very young when I was, when I was born. So, you know, it was hard for me to be anyone other than Tom Boggs' kid or Hale Boggs' grandkid in D.C. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just, you know, not that it, I, I didn't, I, I, I liked that and it was cool and it was, you know, I'm proud of my family, but I also kind of needed to, you know, kind of do something on my own. So, um, so I made the decision to come out here to California. Um, I, I came out initially to go to Stanford and stayed to go to law school at UCLA. And... You know, I, I think there was an expectation that one day I'd sort of uh, wake up and come back east, mm-hmm. but I didn't. And mm-hmm. and I think over time, my dad really grew to respect that. Mm-hmm. And the fact that I, you know, kind of made my way separately, um, I, I think it was something he was always kind of proud of, actually. Mm-hmm. So he wasn't like thinking in the back of one day you'd come back and be a partner at Patton Boggs or something like that? You know, I think at some point in time, um, he, he thought that, you know, there might be a you know, an alternative universe where uh, where Manat and Patton Boggs could have become a, a single firm. I think there were, in some ways, some similarities. Yeah. Um, you know, we we have been a California-based firm with a sort of a D.C. presence. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, they're a DC, they were a D.C.-based firm that kind of never really had a California presence. So, we you know, we talked about that a little bit uh, back in the day. But, no, I think as time went on, I think we kind of grew comfortable with you know, the, the two things, yeah. Well, since you're both lawyers, did you, I mean, did you confer with your dad a lot? Is he somebody you talked to a lot, even as a professional, or or you guys didn't, you know, your practices didn't really overlap? I mean, the practices place. were different, but I, I would talk to him a lot about, I mean, for me, it was always interesting to talk about politics, because, you know, I'm outside the Beltway these days, even though I grew up in the middle of it. Um, you know, that, that hasn't been my, my day-to-day, so when I would go back east or see my dad, we talk a lot about the issues of the day around what was going on on the Hill, what was going on with 
whatever administration it was, his view sort of on the inside of that and mm-hmm. kind of how he was helping to you know, push things or shape things. I, I just found it fascinating. Do you find that you kind of miss that being not, not, I mean, is it, isn't that kind of part of your DNA since you grew up with that, the family dinner table? Is it hard? Do you find you kind of miss well, that? Well, to be honest, I don't miss it right now. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, honestly, and, and, I, and I think about this sometimes, like how would my dad be dealing with right now? Yeah, yeah. Because it's become not only so contentious, but there's just sort of this disdain almost for uh, decorum and for, you know, the ability to actually listen to people on the other side of an issue or a political aisle and nothing gets done. Yeah. There's no collaboration. There's no progress. There's, you know, and I think that for someone who, as I said earlier, really was fulfilled by, you know, informing, educating and having an educated person make a smart decision. That just doesn't seem to happen very much these days. So, uh, you know, I, I think he'd be, he'd be pretty disappointed with where things have, have gone. What is what are what, what are kind of your favorite memories of your dad? Either something he did, either pol- in his political career or as a lawyer, or maybe just something personal between you and him that you're sort of that you're either most proud of, or you feel most fond- think of most fondly when you think of your dad. Um, well, one of the things that I thought was was really cool about you know my dad is a very early you know early partner. This was probably in the early 1970s, so he was you know in his early mid 30s at that point. Um, he was almost, you know, single-handedly responsible for negotiating the uh, Alaska oil pipeline compromise, mm-hmm. which involved, and I, and I was at that time, you know, I was, uh, whatever, eighth or ninth grade, and we were doing this this project on kind of Alaska and stuff, and, and it all sort of came together for me then as, you know, kind of understanding what was going on. So he negotiated this huge deal with the oil companies, with the Native American, you know, tribes that had their peace, with the state of Alaska, with the federal government. It was a very complex, really interesting, high stakes, you know, negotiation with a lot of compromise. And it was meaningful and it was in the news. I just remember it was sort of like that coming of age thing for me where I got that my dad was kind of a big deal mm-hmm. <laughs> as a a young guy. I mean, you know, literally, I think he was 33 or 34 years old. Mm-hmm. So I, I remember that pretty well as being kind of something that, you know, stuck with me as, as far as, you know, a real accomplishment. And I, I would think that, you know, that was probably something he would have said was one of his biggest accomplishments mm-hmm. even through all the other things he did. Mm-hmm. Now, when you, when you have a dad like that who is so prominent, obviously, you know, he's in the news. Is it hard to be close to somebody like that because he has so many people that are always trying to either get access to him or whatever? How would you say that? I mean, yeah, no, it's, is it hard it's, to be close to somebody like that? It's funny. I've thought about that. I mean, to me, he was just my dad. Mm-hmm. I mean, I did appreciate his achievements mm-hmm. and I appreciated, you know, the fact that he was able to become this big deal but sort of still be just my dad. Mm-hmm. Um, he was always good about spending time with my siblings and with me. You know, we would do a lot of fun things together. He he was good at combining, uh, as I am, I guess, you know, business with fun. Mm-hmm. So we would do things like we went on, uh, you know, this hunting trip down in Mexico with uh, some people that he was representing that had organized the trip and some of their you know, his clients brought their sons. I was probably 18 or 19 years old. So it was, it was really fun, Mm -hmm. but it was business Mm -hmm. for him too. And he did a lot of things like that, that I thought it was sort of a good way of including me in his professional life, but it was also just socially a lot of fun. 
Now, when you look at your career and yourself, and then when you have a dad like that who is such a luminary, do you feel like you know you have you know you feel like you have this bar you have to you know do better than, or is that does that create a certain kind of pressure, expectation either on yourself? I mean, just you know having the Boggs name and your dad is so well known. Like, how does that kind of play out in your life? Yeah, I mean, there was a time, um, Richard, when I thought about entering that world. Uh, you know, after law school, after a few years practicing law, I thought about maybe you know, running for elective office. And, you know, without going into all the details, I just decided for a lot of reasons that it, it, wasn't, it wasn't for me. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it seemed to be a, a money chase, especially running for Congress. It's every two years. You're constantly fundraising. You know, I think there are a lot of people that do it for the wrong reasons. So I, you know, I look back now and I think that was probably a, a good decision for me. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, with that said, sure, it is, uh, you know, I'm very proud to be from this family and, and not just my dad, but, you know, my, my aunt, my grandparents, I mean, very successful people that are, you know, known uh, nationally. Um, but I, I think I've done okay. Yeah, <laughs> and, and, and I think that, uh, you know, I, I, I've made it so that um, I've been able to take some of the advantages that I've had and, and turn them into things that have helped me in the way I've shaped my career path. Well, what is the future for Hale Boggs? Obviously, you're a very successful partner at a fantastic firm, but are you, you know, do you see yourself doing something other than practicing law? I mean, like I said, obviously, we're a very successful practice, but do you, what, what else? Is there anything um, else in your future that you... You know, I mean, right now, I'm, I'm happy doing what I'm doing. We, we've started a... Um, a, uh, a digital platform at Manat that I'm running uh, called Manat Digital that, that's not uh, practicing law. It's a, actually an advisory consulting uh, component of the firm based down in L.A. Um, I've been really excited to see what's happening in Southern California with this convergence of content, which is what L.A. is really good at, content creation, development, licensing, all of that, and technology. Um, it's finally happening. I've been straddling between the Bay Area and Southern California my whole career. And uh, for a lot of those years, I've almost had to be an apologist for L.A. <laughs> you know, up here, people would say, oh, you know, you're a bunch of actors and surfers. No, there's real things happening. And now you're not hearing that. In fact, a lot of people from Silicon Valley are now living in Los Angeles because they see what's happening there. So I'm excited by that. And, and I kind of think that whatever path I ultimately take is going to be involved in that in some way. Well, Hale, it's been a fascinating conversation. I really appreciate your taking the time to talk about your illustrious dad. And of course, sorry to hear what happened. But if you do decide to go on to do something else, you'll have to come back and tell me about it. All right, Richard. Well, great to, uh, great to do this. And uh, I'll look forward to whatever comes next. This is Richard Shu and Hale Box. Thanks. <laughs>